Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Real Change Sermon Series from Romans 12, which is preached by our assistant pastor, Micah Bosman. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. We're in Romans chapter 12 again, if you want to go ahead and turn there. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. going to continue our series on real change and just diving into uh, really what Romans chapter 12 verses, verses 1 and 2 mean uh, from, from Paul writing to uh, the believers there in Rome. And so if you're there, go ahead. If you're willing and able, let's stand and just read these two verses together <clears throat> very quickly. We'll read these two verses. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. The Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's real quick say another word of prayer, ask the Lord to bless this time, and then we'll be seated. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for another opportunity that we have to look into your word and to see what you have for us. God, we thank you so much for your word, that it's living, it's active, Lord, that it does speak to us and does, uh, Lord, tell us exactly how you would uh, have us to live. God, we pray that tonight, as was prayed earlier, we would not just be hearers of your word, that we be doers, Lord, that we would Apply it to our hearts and apply it to our daily walk with you, uh, starting today and each and every day following. God, we pray that you would uh, be with this time, help us to just pay attention and uh, listen to you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Of course, last week we started uh, this series discussing real change, lasting change. And uh, last week we looked at the fact that that process is called sanctification. The word for that would be sanctification, and we illustrated that for, for us last week. If you remember uh, last week, if you, if you weren't here, I'll just kind of tell you what we did. We had a whiteboard up here, and, uh, and I drew a wrinkly stick figure, and we call them wrinkly man, and then, uh, and then I drew a regular stick figure, uh, and we called him ironed man, or iron man, whatever you want, and we drew a little arrow in between. Uh, the, the saying, they've got some wrinkles to iron out, uh, is really what uh, that illustrates. And the arrow in between going from all of the wrinkles to an ironed out man is what we call that arrow, the process of getting there, is what's called sanctification. It's that real change that God wants to do in our lives each and every day. And today we're really going to dive in even more on what that process is. Uh, last week, we kind of looked at the starting point. That's kind of the why. Uh, we looked at our motivation, and that motivation will drive us to a presentation, presenting our bodies to the Lord because He presented His body to us because of His love and because of His mercy. And uh, so we looked at that last week and said it really simply this way, God loves us just the way we are, but He loves us way too much to keep us that way. Uh, he wants to see change take place in our lives. So that's what we're really going to dive into tonight. But to start, I want to ask this question. I want to ask this question. 
uh, to really come back to uh, at the end of the message. And it would be this. What are you changing into? What are you changing into? Uh, and notice I didn't ask, are you changing? Because all of us are. I mean, tomorrow I'm going to have, sadly, less hair on my head than I do today. Uh, some of you are like, that's a long gone story. Uh, but, but we're constantly changing. So I'm not asking, are you changing? Because the truth is we are all changing. And spiritually, like we're talking about tonight, we all are changing into something. So the question would be, then what are we changing into? We are becoming like something, so what are we becoming like? And Paul unpacks that for us in our passage, that there are really two ways uh, that we are changing. We are either being conformed or we are being transformed. And that's what we're going to dive into in verse number two. Last week, like I said, we looked at uh, the motivation of real change, the, having the right motivation, uh, which will lead to the right presentation. Uh, but notice then Paul talks about, which is number one tonight, conformation. Okay, he talks about conformation. Right there at the beginning, he says, and, uh, or ver, beginning of verse number two says, and be not conformed. Be not conformed. The word conformed is one of those words that means to be changed. But the word has a much larger connotation than that. It's not just to be changed. And, uh, and so to illustrate this, uh, before I say really this illustration, I, I would say this. Uh, I am a fat kid at heart. Okay, I am, I am like a little fat kid, the one that you see on the playground sneaking chocolate behind the teacher's uh, behind the teacher's back. That's me, okay? I, I'm just a little fat kid at heart. And, uh, and if this story doesn't convince you of that, I don't know what will. But in middle school, I voluntarily watched a documentary about chocolate, okay? In middle school, I voluntarily watched a documentary about chocolate. Uh, over the course of this documentary, they showed melted chocolate in the machines being stirred. Oh, my soul. Glory. I mean, I was, I felt, it looked so tasty. I felt like Augustus Gloob at Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. I wanted to drink it all up, just staring at the screen. Melted chocolate. looks so good. Uh, they, they showed it being sorted. They showed it uh, being wrapped. They showed it being transported out of the factory to the stores. But one of the most interesting parts to me was when they showed how the chocolate was shaped, how the chocolate was being shaped. And through this documentary, they were in all kinds of different chocolate factories. They showed how Hershey's Kisses, Kisses were shaped. They showed how Kit Kats were shaped and how all kinds of candy bars were shaped. I don't know if you've ever noticed that like all candy bars of one brand look exactly the same. Have you ever noticed that? If you haven't, you can open your chocolate bars now if you want to. And I want you to notice something, okay? As you open the chocolate bars, maybe you have someone next to you, you can compare. Other than maybe some imperfections because of it being dropped on the ground or something, all of these chocolate bars are around the same size, okay? They're all the same size. They have the same three little indentations right here. On each block, it says... Hershey's, okay? We have, we have every single uh, candy bar, other than, like I said, imperfections from being dropped or something like that, are exactly the same. And, uh, and as I was watching this documentary, and you, yes, you have permission to eat those now, 
throughout the rest of this message if you want to. Through the rest of this documentary, as I looked at how these chocolate bars were being shaped, uh, it, it just was really, it really stood out to me that, uh, that this guy gets on the screen and starts to explain uh, the process of how these Hershey bars were shaped. Now, they put chocolate into what we would call a mold, okay, into a mold. Maybe if you've done ceramics or you've done whatever uh, the case might be with a mold, you know what that's like. You put something into it and then it molds it into that shape or into that chocolate bar. But the word that this man used stuck with me because it's a word from scripture that I knew as a, as a middle schooler. What he said was, he says, well, the liquid chocolate is poured into the conform. And I thought, conform, I know that word. That's in Romans chapter 12. When I was a kid, I was like, that's in Romans chapter 12. It says, and be not conformed to this world. And I knew that word. And so what that man was saying was this. Each candy bar is conformed. Conformed to what? They're conformed to look and to be exactly the same as all the other candy bars. Okay, so when we see the word conform, it doesn't just mean to be changed. The larger connotation of the word means this, to be changed into the same as. Okay, to be changed into the same as. But Paul doesn't stop the statement there. He says, don't be changed into the same as what? The world. Okay, he says, be not conformed to this world. He says, don't be changed into the same as the world. And remember, this isn't some, oh, by the way, uh, don't kind of like maybe possibly change into what the world's saying. Remember how he starts the entire passage? He's begging us. He's saying, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. He's saying, hey, I'm begging you. Be motivated by God's love and mercy. I'm begging you. Give yourself wholly to God. I'm begging you. Do not be changed into the same as this world. It's an it's a imperative statement that he's begging us to consider. Do not be changed into the same as the world. You know, about a month ago, we heard a great message from Brother Dan that unpacked for us some definitions in Scripture of that word world. Uh, I'm not going to take the time to do uh, that again in, in its entirety this evening. If you'd like, you can go on our website, find a sermon there. It's entitled, A Forbidden Love, a great message. However, I do want us to understand this, that when Paul says world here, he's not talking about the planet. God doesn't want us to be changed into a planet. Okay, that'd be weird, right? God doesn't want us to be changed into a planet. And he's not talking about the people. We're already people. Okay? He's not telling us to be changed into people from being people. Paul, what Paul is talking about here is he's talking about the principles and the philosophies and the practices of this world. I love how Brother Dan defined it. He said this about that third definition of the word world. He said, it's an organized influence that draws us away from God. It's an organized influence that draws us away from God. The Bible talks about this all over the place. In 1 John 5, 19, it says, We know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. Colossians 2, 8 says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and van deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. 
So Paul's saying, hey, make sure that you're not allowing yourself to be changed into something that represents this world's philosophies or this world's practices. Don't allow your attitude or your actions to mirror that of the world. Okay, are you on the same page as me tonight? Don't allow yourself to be changed into the same pattern as the world. And then Paul contrasts one way of changing, confirmation, with another form of changing. And he contrasts confirmation with, number two, transformation. Transformation. Now, just like conformation, transformation has the definition of to be changed. So both of these words mean to be changed. But again, the definition and connotation of the word transformation, just like the word confirmation, goes far beyond just being changed. The Greek word translated transformed here is the word metamorphou. Metamorphou. Well, what does that sound, word sound like to you? Metamorphosis, right? Metamorphosis. Well, what do we normally correlate metamorphosis with? or metamorphosis with, a change, or a butterfly, right? A butterfly, we think of uh, a butterfly changing, and he goes through the process of metamorphosis. I love this because when a butterfly goes through metamorphosis, it goes through a complete change, okay? It goes through uh, from looking like this, which I, I really don't like caterpillars or Bugs in general, and especially mice. Okay, don't get me on mice, but bugs, this is just gross to me to look at a caterpillar. But I love that when it goes through metamorphosis, it changes into a butterfly. Okay, it goes from this nasty little worm-like creature into a beautiful uh, butterfly with wings, and all kinds of butterflies have all kinds of designs and colors. I don't know if you've ever been inside of uh, maybe uh, a zoo enclosure where they just have butterflies everywhere. It's like one of the most magical places on earth. I, I'm telling you, I went into the Oklahoma City Zoo in the middle of uh, college once, and they have this enclosure that you walk in, and butterflies from around the world are just like landing on you and landing on other people. And it was just so cool to see all of these colors flying throughout the entire enclosure. Uh, that's what we think of uh, when we hear the word transformation or metamorphosis is that a, a caterpillar changes into something almost unrecognizable from its original form. Almost unrecognizable. I also think of frogs. They start out as tadpoles, little fish-like creatures with gills and a tail, but they change into something that has lungs and they lose the tail. They're completely unrecognizable from what they started out as. Are, are you getting the picture tonight? Where con conform means to change into the same as, transform means to change into something completely different from. So Paul is saying, don't change into the same as or don't resemble the world. Change into or resemble something completely different from the world. Something unrecognizable from the world. Well, what is completely different from the world? What should we be changed into that is the opposite of the world? Well, I'm glad you asked because that question brings me right into 
our final point, which is really where we'll uh, spend some time, is that biblical transformation is actually conformation. Okay? Biblical transformation is actually conformation. You say, Brother Micah, that doesn't make any sense. You said that Paul's telling us to not be conformed. Yeah, that's right. And that we're supposed to be transformed. Yep. But now you're saying that to be transformed, we actually have to conform? That's right. And the Bible teaches this pretty clearly because in order to be changed into something completely different from the world, we must be changed into the same as something, or should I say, someone else. Look in Romans chapter 8, some well-known verses, verse 28 and 29. says this, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow... He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. You notice that word there? Conformed to the image of His Son. It says that God had a plan. That word predestinate, don't, don't let people try to confuse you about what these words mean. Uh, in, in this verse, simply what Jesus is, or what God is saying through uh, Paul is that, is that He knew ahead of time who would get saved, and his plan for those who would get saved, who he knew would get saved, is that his predestined plan for them is that they would be changed or made into the same as the image of Jesus Christ. Okay? So he had a predestined plan for each and every one of us. God's plan, his purpose, his will is that we would be changed into the image of Jesus. And we should be the same as Jesus. We should resemble Jesus in our actions. The way we live should prove God's will. That's what Paul is saying at the end of our passage in Romans chapter 12. In verse 2 at the end when he says, That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He's saying it this way. He's saying, be not conformed. Be, don't be changed into the same as this world, but be changed into something completely different, which is uh, being like Jesus Christ. Why? That you may prove that uh, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. By being transformed into the image of Jesus, we are proving, or that we're proving, just another word for accomplishing, the perfect will of God. Well, what is the perfect will of God? It could really be boiled down to these two things, salvation and sanctification. Salvation and sanctification. His perfect will is that people would be saved. We know that. 2 Peter 3.9 says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And that uh, another part of his will is that people would be sanctified, or in other words, made into the likeness of Jesus. You know, that has always been God's plan. That has always been God's plan. Uh, that's always been God's will. Look, look all the way back at the creation of man. If you were to look in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, when he first decides to create man, this is what he said. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. 
male and female, created he them. From before the fall of man, God's plan in, in instigating or beginning, initiating man's creation, just the creation of man, his purpose, his plan was to make him in his own image. Okay, all the way from beginning of creation of mankind, God said, I'm going to make him in my image. And his perfect will is the same today, to make mankind more into his image. Why? Well, because when we resemble Jesus, we accomplish his will of seeing people get saved and seeing people become more like Christ. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. God desires to use everything to do this. Just as we saw in Romans 8.28, he says, All things work together for good. Well, what good? The good work of making us into the image of Christ. When you think about it, that is an amazing thing that God wants to use every single aspect of our lives to change us. Every single aspect of our lives. He wants to use your trials to make you more like Jesus. He wants to take your temptations and make you more like Jesus because of them. He wants to take your spouse, your children. He wants to take your coworkers, every person and thing in your life. God desires to use those things, those situations, and those people to make you more like Jesus. I love how a, a great preacher uh, of old, A.W. Tozer, and a great writer, said it this way. He says, you know, when I understand that everything happening to me is to make me more Christ-like, it resolves a great deal of anxiety. When I really think that what I'm going through or this person that's really getting on my nerves is actually to make me more like Jesus, it kind of subsides a little of that anxiety or the, uh, the fear or, or the uh, anger in my life. Why? Because I know God has a purpose for that person. God has a purpose for that situation. And that purpose is to make me more like Jesus. I'm telling you, my friends, we can be confident. We can be confident that God wants to make us more like Jesus. And he will not stop this working in us. He wants to continue that work until we see him face to face. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. One thing that I find interesting is that throughout Scripture, like in Romans chapter 8, when it says all things work, to work together for good, so good work uh, that is being done in our life is, verse 29, being conformed into the image of Jesus. And then Philippians 1.6, it says, any good work that the Lord plans to do in our life. So that plan of making us more like Jesus, He will continue to perform that until the day of Jesus Christ. Until we see Christ face to face, He will uh, be doing this work in our lives. If you don't understand why you're going through a particular struggle or why a certain person is in your life, let me just say this. It's because God's not done making you more like Jesus. Uh, there's a song I keep hearing on the radio that goes like this. It says, God's not done with you. Even with your broken heart, wounds, and your scars, God's not done with you. Even when you're lost and it's hard and you're falling apart, God's not done with you. It's not over. It's only begun. So don't hide. Don't run because God's not done with you. I love that. 
God wants to continue his work of making you more like Christ every single day through every single trial, every single person, and every single triumph in this life. However, we could very easily allow all of those things to conform us rather to be more like the world than to be like Christ. So you may ask, well, how do I make sure that everything I go through changes me to be more like Jesus and not like the world? Well, I'll give you a hint. It's in the last statement in our passage we haven't gone over yet. It's by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. And that's what we're going to talk about in depth next week. And it will be a very practical message for us. Don't miss it. But until then, let me ask you this question. Are you a reflection of the world or are you a reflection of Jesus? When trials come your way, does your attitude or your actions look more how the world responds to those trials or do they look more like how Jesus would respond? When that person at work gets on your nerves or your spouse angers you or that person sits in your seat at church, do you react in a way that resembles the world or that resembles Christ? When you get laid off at work, when a family member passes away, when you get that diagnosis, when you're overlooked for the raise or promotion that you deserve at work, when your kids act out in public, when someone betrays you, and we could go on and on and on and on. Are we being changed into something that resembles the world or are we being conformed into the image of Jesus? When these things happen in our life, what comes out? What are we being changed into? Are we reacting and... and, uh, and Are we reacting and responding in a way that the world would respond to all these things? Or are we reacting and responding in a way that Jesus would respond? Because every situation will change us either one way or the other. It comes down to whether we're going to allow it to conform us to be more like this world. And those trials, they can conform us to be angry like the world or to be bitter like the world. Or they can... Uh, change us to be uh, more trustworthy and faithful to our God. Both things can happen, but it comes down to us. Are we going to allow the things that come in our life to change us into something that resembles the world, or are we going to be conformed into the image of Jesus? Let's determine to make sure that we are taking every opportunity this week to exemplify Christ, not to exemplify the world. No matter what, I don't know what's going to come up this week in your life. I don't even know what's going to come up this week in my life. But I can tell you this, each and every one of us are going to go through something and come across someone that we could either respond or react in the way of this world or we can respond and react in the way that Jesus would. So let's determine to make sure every opportunity we have this week to exemplify Christ. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.